Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Three balls, two strikes, the payoff. Swung on, hit in the air, right center field, pretty deep. Going back and looking up is Soto. It's gone. Lead off, home run for Kyle Schwarber. Great start on this Friday night as Schwarber with his second homer of this postseason and of this series. You want to get this crowd into it, do something like that right out of the chute. Wow. Uh, good morning, good morning, good morning. Thank you, Scott Fransky, Larry Anderson. Another great call. Another great night. Phillies win game three of the NLCS 4-2, take a 2-2-1 lead. Oh, how about that? Red October. I'm Glenn Macnow, along with Mike Sealski. Mike, the sun is shining. The weather is beautiful. The Phillies are up. My man is fired up this oh, morning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is. It was a... Uh... It was a heck of a thing to watch last night. I'm a not to get too deep at the start, Glenn, but I am a big believer that sports at its best is one of the last things we have in this society that really pulls people together oh, yeah. of all different backgrounds. I think we need things like that nowadays. And when a Philadelphia team is playing well and making a deep playoff run, everything just feels better in the Delaware Valley. Amen, brother. It was. It was. And it was a roller coaster game, as they say. From the word go. All from right. the word go. So let's begin from the word go, all right? Uh, just, uh, I guess I said, but the Phillies win 4-2 to two to tonight's game. What is it, 7.45 start tonight, Kyle? What time is it? 7.45. Yeah. 7.45. First pitch tonight, Citizen Bank Park, Mike Clevenger against uh, Brady Falter, kind of, sort of. We'll get into that as we go along. But yesterday night begins, as you just heard, it was the... Uh, sixth pitch of the game into the seats. What did that do, other than give the Phillies a one nothing lead, what did that do for the crowd, the fan, the teammates? What did that mean? You heard it. Uh, there's no better start to get off to than to have your leadoff hitter hit a home run. Uh, we've been debating in the city, people who follow the Phillies all year, where should Kyle Schwarber bat in the lineup? He hits with so much power. Should he be lower in the lineup so that he hits more often with men on base? Well, Guess what? There are worse things than starting a game with a with a home run. And uh, you're getting Schwarber as many at-bats as you possibly can by batting him leadoff. And therefore, you have more chances for what happened last night. Yeah, and you know, I hear from certain quarters that Kyle Schwarber, oh, he's Dave Kingman. That's all he is, is Dave Kingman. And if you look at the stat line, 
whatever he had this year, 46, 48 home runs and a batting average in the low 200s, and therefore, oh, he's Dave Kingman. But he's not Dave Kingman in a lot of ways. Most specifically, Dave Kingman was a jackass. Yes. Dave Kingman was a certified surly guy, which is one of the reasons he probably played on eight or ten major league teams in the course of his career. Nobody wanted to keep him. He was a jack wagon. Kyle Schwarber, yes, actually he has played on teams himself, but he came here by his choice and by many millions of dollars in commas, is a guy who's a team leader, is a guy who's a glue guy there. He's a vitally important... People underrate what clubhouse means in baseball, and I think it means a lot. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely with respect to Schorber, the person, away from when he's in the batter's box. He is the guy that they all point to as he's the guy who keeps us loose. He's the guy who keeps us uh, our, our heads on straight, our perspective in the right way, doesn't let us get too high, doesn't let us get too low. Uh, and again, to bring it back to what we were talking about a minute ago, you know, you can bat Kyle Schwarber fourth if you want to, but there's no guarantee that he's going to come up with men on base and that he's going to hit these 46 or 47 home runs and and the two or three that he's hit in the postseason with one or two or three guys on. So bat him lead off. He gets on base, even though his batting average isn't great. Uh, he takes a lot of walks, hits a lot of home runs. There are worse ways to be. Um, I, I think he's fine for what this team is and yeah. what this team could yet be. Yeah, if I had Tim Raines or Ricky Henderson, I'd have a different leadoff hitter, but, but I don't have but that got, guy. Yeah, you don't. You don't. You got right. Kyle Schwarber hitting bombs. Right, so here you go. It is the ups and downs of last night and the Achilles heel of this team, which you hope doesn't end up uh, killing him as did Achilles, which is the second inning. Um, actually, the ups. let's start with the ups of the defense, is that Brandon Marsh makes a heck of a play in the second inning. Will Myers hits one 400 feet into center field. Um, according to StatCast, I know you're a big follower of that. Oh, yeah. The And I, I don't I don't buy this stuff, but I kind of do. The, the expected batting average on that ball was 870, except Brandon Marsh tracks it down. I want to talk just a little bit about this guy who's he's a he's a role player, but boy, he's really a good and valuable role player. He, he's a terrific defensive center fielder. Uh, he has stabilized that position out there for the most part, and his his contributions offensively have been beyond what he did with the Los Angeles Angels, Vanaheim, but have kind of validated one of the reasons that the Phillies acquired him. One of the reasons that Dave Dombrowski went after him, which was. They felt like they could unlock something in his swing, that they could tweak it a little bit, get him working with Kevin Long, the batting coach, mm-hmm. and that he would be a better hitter than he had been with the Angels, and he has been that. I mean, he hit the big home run in Game 4 against the Braves. He's not an automatic out at the bottom of the lineup, uh, and he makes that play, which the Phillies were fortunate in this regard, Glenn. Myers hit that ball, I think, to the only part of the ballpark that would have held it. I mean, if he hits it yeah, 10 feet to the uh, left or right. 10 feet to it's the right, out. that's a home run. Yep. Um, but good on Marsh for tracking it down. And I like Brad Marsh. Brad, I keep calling Brad Marsh. Brandon Marsh. <laughs> you know? You have a thing for old Flyers old defensemen. Old hockey players, man. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Brandon Marsh. I think he's a guy who, you know, next four or five years, he could be your center fielder and, and be fine. Yeah. Bad 270, 15 home runs, good defense. I'll take that guy. Yeah, and, and the catch continued the kind of pattern that we were going to see the whole night. You know, you mentioned the first inning and – the start that the Phillies get off to with Schwarber. Remember, later in the bottom of that inning, the next two hitters walk. Hoskins and Real Muto walk. Mm-hmm. And so you have first and second and nobody out. And if you're a Phillies fan, you're thinking, here comes Bryce Harper. Here comes a big inning. And Harper grounds into a double play. And the Phillies don't tack on after Schwarber's homer. 
And now you're thinking, oh boy, we missed an opportunity here. Will that come back bite us? And then Marsh makes the great catch. And that was the night, the entire three and a half hours or however long the game was, just volleying back and forth. Well, here's your volley. The volley comes in the fourth inning on defense. Um, Cronenberg, Cronenworth, uh, bounces one uh, shortstop. And uh, Stott tosses it to Segura fine, and Segura botches it. Padres score 1-1. The biggest worry we all have about this team is the defense. It will not be the last time this becomes a factor last night. No, it, it was not. And it's got to be frustrating to a guy like Ranger Suarez, for instance, even though he's not going to show it. Because Suarez was pitching so well last night, getting the kind of contact for the most part that you want a pitcher to get. I mean, think about that one squib hit that you know almost yeah. scooted by Alec yeah. Bohm early yeah. in the game. Um, yeah. yeah, there was a cheap ground ball hit through the, um, the right side of the infield because the Phillies were playing in a shift later in the game. And you can't have opportunities like that to keep a team down, to collect outs. The Phillies had a way of getting out of that inning unscathed, and they weren't able to take advantage of it because Segura simply didn't catch the ball. However, bottom of the fourth, Gene Segura comes up. Uh, what does he call him? Uh, uh, Gene. Uh, he's got the clutch, clutch gene. gene. Clutch Gene. Yeah. That's it. Comes up in the bottom of the fourth, a one and two slider, and here's what he does. Phillies and Padres tied at one here in the bottom of the fourth. Start at second, Bohm at third, two outs. One ball, two strikes, Musgrove's pitch. Swung on, poked towards center, it'll be a base hit. It falls in, and both runs are going to score, and Gene Segura has come through. It's a two-run single, and the Phillies are back on top, three to one. Uh, nice job by him. And by the way, I just want to mention real quick, the Bryson Stott has not done a ton in the postseason, but had a pair of hits last night, mm-hmm. which he scored that run there. Two doubles. Yeah. Yeah. And the Feeling se- better at that point. Yeah, you? absolutely. And the Segura at bat shows the value of just putting the ball in play, especially with two strikes. I saw somebody on Twitter last night uh, facetiously criticizing Segura, like, what was the exit velocity on that single? And, you know, why was he swinging at that pitch out of the strike zone with two strikes? Well, that's part of the reason why you do it. Yeah. And it's what makes baseball fun. Like, that shouldn't have been a hit, and yet it was. Too much of baseball these days is just launch angle, go for the home run. You know, hey, the 120-mile-an-hour hit the other night was pretty good. The Schwarber homer, <laughs> yeah. That was pretty yeah. good. But, but one of the things that I think has changed since Topper became the manager is – and I understand that's not small ball, but it doesn't have to be a home run to work. And right. the Phillies were, hey, if they don't score home runs, they can't score runs. If they don't have home runs, they can't score runs. Well, now they are. Yeah, they've been doing it throughout the postseason. They did it in that first game against the Cardinals. They did it in game one against the Braves. They did it in game two against the Padres, and it didn't help them in the end. But And then again, they did it last night. All right. By the way, 215-592-9494, looking to talk to people who just basking in the glow of that win last night. Okay, so here we go. Top of the fifth. Uh-oh. As Ray Dinger would say, it's time for the corner butcher shop to open up <laughs> a routine chopper to Reese Hoskins at first. Corner butcher number one returns. I mean, that's a high school play, man, and he can't make it. And Grissom comes in to score. Bad defense, 3-2. to two. I have a question for anyone who knows more about Major League Baseball and its rules uh, related to player salaries. If John Middleton 
were to buy pairs of bifocals for the entire Phillies infield, would that put them over the luxury tax? Would they have to go into the luxury tax for that? Because they might need them. Yeah, it was painful. Yeah. He, he's just not going to get better. You just hope that his bat carries his glove, and sometimes it does, and sometimes it doesn't. The baffling part was it was the same thing that happened with the Segura play at second base. He simply didn't catch it. It, it, yeah. it, it, it didn't even go into the palm of his mitt. No, he just botched it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So here comes the big decision. Phillies get out of the inning with a 3-2 to lead. Um, Suarez going great. You know what? Give me a Suarez highlight while we're here. Suarez comes to the letter set. And the pitch. Breaking ball. Bounced on the ground to shortstop. A run will score. Stott's got it on the infield grass. Throws to first. And Hoskins able to hang on to the bag. It's a 3-2 game. It's an unearned run charged to Ranger Suarez's line. And an RBI for Hassan Kim. Fans getting a little cranky there. They were. I guess uh, it's uh, not directed at Suarez, obviously. Directed no. Directed at Hoskins. The, the Suarez would have shut the Padres out if the Phillies had played even routine defense behind him. And that was the fans' frustration, sure, was that they the Phillies had just given the Padres a run and Kept had cut the lead in half. Kept him in the game. So Suarez was great. Five innings, 68 pitches. The only trouble he ever got in was, again, because of his defense— I'm sitting there thinking, you know what? You got a lot of games. You don't have days off coming up. You got a no. lot of games. You got bullpen games coming up as early as today. Let's get another inning or two out of Suarez. He's cruising, but Rob Thompson takes him out. What were you thinking at the time, Mike Sielski, and how do you feel about it now? Well, I was thinking two things at the time, and this is the honest-to-goodness truth. The, I, I was with a group of people, and we were kind of discussing this, and a lot of people felt the way you did. Why isn't he leaving Suarez in? Here's the thing. Number one, Manny Machado was coming up, I believe, to lead off the top of the sixth inning. And Machado is, A, a great hitter, and B, had made solid contact against Suarez twice already. And now Suarez is going to have to get him out if you leave him in for the third time. That's number one. Number two, I'm more along the lines of thinking that you have to, if you are managing any baseball team in the playoffs, you have to win that night and do whatever you have to do to win that night. Mm -hmm. And if you... Leave a pitcher in too long, a la Aaron Nola in game two, the game could get away from you. And the Phillies' bullpen was set up last night for Rob Thompson to be able to do what he did, to to use the number of guys that he used, and we're going to get into that, uh, but you've got to win that night. And that's essentially what he said after the game. Yeah. He, he talked about he didn't want him to go through a lineup the third time. I don't think he mentioned Machado specifically, but I infer that that's one of the things he's talking about there. And he said, you got to win tonight. And ultimately, it works for him. So who am I to question Rob Thompson? It worked. Okay, sixth inning, Zach Eflin comes in, survives a couple of hits, preserves the lead. Terrific uh, double play from yeah. Stott to Segura yeah. to Hoskins. Yeah, absolutely. Timely, well-executed. Got him out of that. Yep. Um, and then the bottom of the sixth. Uh, feeling a little nervous, nothing going on. But Castellano hits the double left, Bohm's. Again, swings it one out of the strike zone, but hits it under a diving Juan Soto. Not very good defense there by that right fielder. It gets by him. The Phillies get to four to two. The crowd backing it in a huge way. Yeah, and you have to feel good if you're the Phillies and their fans at that point. Yep. The, the the biggest similarity to me between this team and the 2008 team are the bullpens. The 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 2018. Bradledge, we all remember him as being perfect and great. 
but that team collectively doesn't get enough credit for how good that bullpen was. You know, um, oh, Madsen was terrific. Madsen was terrific. J.C. Romero, yeah. Scott Ayer, all those guys. When, when the Phillies took a one-run lead by the sixth inning, that was it. The, they were going to oh, win the game by one you're run. Seeing, you're believing that now, are you? A little bit. Are you? A little bit. Really? Okay. Well, it did work out. It certainly did work out last night because Alvarado comes in top of the seventh. Um, Rob Thompson going for the kill. San Diego threatens to score again. Bouncer on the right side. Really nice play by Segura again. They get out of it. Eighth inning. Alvarado in. Um, allows, one batter, right? Yeah, allows a leadoff hit. To Soto. And here comes Sir Anthony. Yeah. And and he's your he's your stopper at this point. He is your untouchable guy. And he's been brilliant the entire postseason. And, and I think everybody felt pretty good. Once he came into the game, and certainly they felt good throughout the rest of that eighth inning. And that may be the biggest surprise of any surprise in that he missed so much of the season. He looked shaky when he came back. That he has returned to this dominance that we saw a couple of years ago is a huge, huge benefit for the Phillies. Ninth inning, Yurikson Profar, two strikes. Uh, give me three, man on, right? Man on first, man three first. and two count. Yeah. And here's what happens. Dominguez picks back at first. He comes set. Profar waits. The kick. The 3-2 pitch. Inside. Ball four. Did he check? Oh, he went around. And Profar slams the helmet down as he is screaming at third base umpire Todd Tishner. And he is gone. Wow. Uh, to be honest, I thought Profar may have had a point. <laughs> You know, but but it's you know we're talking a fraction of an inch, and you take it when it comes your way. Yeah, there was a lot of um, there was a lot of posting of photographs on social media last night showing that Profar's bat had extended beyond the plate, and part of it was that he had moved his body so much that even if he had held his hands back, his body kind of propelled him past the the point where it would be a check swing, and he would have taken the walk. This to me, Glenn, could turn out to be the moment that defines the entire series. Ooh, listen to you. So. If you remember the top of that ninth inning, Sir Anthony was all over the place. Uh, and the Padres have a runner on first. Profar represents the tying run at the plate. If that pitch is called a ball, and it was way out of the strike zone, mm-hmm. all of a sudden the Padres have two men on, nobody out, and Sir Anthony's walked the first two guys, or at least gotten allowed the first two batters to reach base. Uh, that's going to be a tough situation to get out of. Instead, what you have is one on, one out, Mm -hmm. momentum completely shifts, and Dominguez retires the next two hitters without incident. Uh, That call by Todd Titchener could be the one that we look back on and say (laughs) it's the reason the Phillies won the National League pennant. And it could be the one in 20 years from now in San Diego when they do the radio show, like, name a time that you got screwed by the officials. Like, remember that NLCS in 2022 with Profar? That's when you and I will call in. Is there a Leon Stickle moment? I was just going to say, does the name Leon Stickle mean anything to you? Right. We've got a few of those in this town. Good. You can have it there. <laughs> what a night. The fans were, again, tremendous. I heard a thing on Twitter today. Kyle Quinn, we may try to find this. And I know I'm giving you a needle in a haystack. There was a guy who lives a mile mm-hmm. away. I saw this, too. Did you? Okay, yes. let's see if we can find it. He lives a mile away from the ballpark. And he just turned on his phone and recorded from a mile away Yes, the crowd. And it was amazing. People, you are great fans. Love it bask in it enjoy every minute you deserve it and give us a call 215-592-9494 215-592-9494 by the way best caller of the day 
is judged by producer Kyle Quinn. Gets a $50 gift card to Scheib Vintage Sports, where there is a story in every stitch. Check out their throwback apparel at the Center City location uh, or at their new place on Lancaster Avenue in Wayne or ScheibSports.com. By the way, I got my uh, Prism t-shirt from there the other day. Oh, I have Looking a Prism. sharp, baby. I have a Prism t-shirt myself. There it is. Uh, I love to wear it. It's always a conversation. It's starter. always. People always go, oh, I used to watch. It's Prism was the greatest. Yeah, it was. I found anyway. that, by the way, so I can uh, have oh, you it did? on the way back. All right, let's yeah. play it when we come back. Yep. It, was, it was an amazing moment. Hey, we want to hear from you today. You may have screamed yourself hoarse. I want to hear your voice. 215-592-9494. With Mike Sealski, I'm Glenn Mack now. A joyous Saturday morning in Philadelphia on 94 WFP. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now. 94 WIP. just a beautiful Saturday morning in the Delaware Valley. You know, I'm delighted that the Eagles are on the bye week. It allows us to focus so much on the Phillies yeah. uh, with a clear conscience. We don't have anything distracting us. Yeah. The Sixers are making it very easy for us to pay attention to the <laughs> Phillies, for instance. Get at it a little bit. We'll bring up the Flyers a little bit. We'll, 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 we'll work that into the conversation, but it's really all about the Phillies. And it also helps that the, the Eagles go on by undefeated, so it's like we don't have anything to grouse about. We have nothing to be miserable about. What? How could you be miserable today? W- what do we do, Glenn? This is This is... Unaccustomed territory for those of us who follow Philadelphia sports. Uh, it's been a while. We'll G- find something. Gino in South Jersey is with hey, us. Guys. You're at the game. Oh, man. Yes, me, my son, 35-year-old son, and my two oldest grandsons, 8 and 10. Wow. It was wild. I, it was a rock show. Three generations. You know what? That's pretty special for you, I'm sure. Oh, I'm still, I still got tears in my eyes, especially because we won. Yeah. Good. <laughs> what are your thoughts, Gino? Um, wow, what what a run it's been, right? Um, and this this game tonight, I mean, last night was, was crucial. Tonight is key. This is going to pack them away. The stands were unbelievable. The place was literally lifted off the ground. Yeah, yeah. We, we, in Section 143, we, we had the backs of uh, Frank Thomas, A-Rod, uh, and Big Poppy. But I noticed that, the, like, after the first or second inning, they disappeared from that, that, that location. Do you know what happened to them? No, I nah, they, just... they probably just relocated uh, to a I different part of the park. Co- they got cold and they moved them, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Big Poppy was rocking the Reggie White shirt. He was. How that. About that was kind of cool. I thought it might have been Jerome Brown at first when I uh, initially saw him on TV. But, uh, you know, Gino makes a good point, I think, or at least raises a good point, which is we're, we're talking a lot about the atmosphere at Citizens Bank Park, and, and rightfully so. And to me... This is unique in baseball, or at least has been in the last several years. You don't see crowds like this. And it does seem to me, certainly in the Brave series, and maybe a little bit last night, that it's having an impact on the opposing team. Oh, I think so. You know, I and, definitely think it did with the Braves. Definitely think it did. Yeah, and, and that's something that we can... They, they were not ready for that. That's something we can overstate at times how much influence home field advantage actually is. But I think in this situation, it's real, and it's... It's having an impact and an influence on the Phillies' fortunes in a positive way. All right, well, let's talk to Vince. He's in University City. Well, it says he lives in South Philly, so I don't know where he lives. Vince, where do you live? Uh, I'm right on Kamak Street between okay. 12th and 13th and Shrunk. In All right, South Philly. so you're, how far would that put you from the stadium? I would say about 15 to 20 blocks. Okay, so tell us what you heard last night. Um, I mean, my kid was so excited about it because she could hear it, I mean, through the windows. 
that stadium was louder than I've ever heard anything in the city of my life. I got chills thinking about it right now. I mean, she kept running out, my six-year-old kept running out back just to listen to them get hyped at every pitch. It was every single pitch. Yeah. It's 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 an amazing thing to to be able to maintain that level for as long as those fans do it. It's it's not like it it falls off at any point. I mean, and then when Schwarber hits the home run to start the game, they're going to be at that pitch the rest of the night. Yep, Vince, hold on one second because I want to play something. So this is this guy posted this on Twitter uh, early this morning. His name is Frankie Streff. His Twitter handle is at Streff S T R E F F ninety seven. And this was right before and then after the final out of the game. He lives, by the way, a mile away from the stadium, he said. Mm -hmm. So this is a mile, and here's what you hear. How great is that? That's amazing. Vince, is that that what you heard, Vince? My house was rocking. I mean, my house was moving. I had all my windows open just to listen to it because it just was the most amazing thing in sports to ever witness. Especially as a Philly fan, just with all the heartbreak we went through these last few years with yep. this team and the letdowns at the end for them to finally come through. And then when they come through, they push and push and push. It's finally good to see fans in the stands, too, because, I mean, this season was It was slow really arriving. Vince, you're right, and, and thanks for the call. And, Mike, it's true, and not without merit, that the fans were slow to buy into this team. They had been through a lot of years of disappointment. This year, well, it started out poorly with Girardi. They caught fire with Rob Thompson, but then they really were fading down the stretch. And it, it, so many people were thinking, like, okay, well, you know, I've been through this before. I am not ready to invest. I'm not ready to jump off the roof, you know, mm-hmm. and hope the parachute works. But maybe late arriving crowd, but boy, they they came big. That skepticism, as you mentioned, Glenn, was totally justified. Totally justified. And I think we talked about this last week. A a game like Game 3, I think, lends itself to that kind of crowd reaction because the Phillies aren't going to be eliminated last night. You know, if they they end up losing, they're going to be down in the series two games to one. But it's not as if their season could end last night, which is going to lend fans an element of nervousness. To, to an even heightened degree that they didn't have last night. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you feel freer to cheer and, and let it all out. And then, as we talked about, just the circumstances of the game was such a roller coaster, from Schwarber's homer to the missed opportunity in that inning to the errors to the two-out hits to the umpire's call in the ninth inning to the final strikeout. You're just you're on this tilt-a-whirl ride for three and a half hours. And then finally, when Dominguez strikes out, the hitter to end the game, you're like, oh. You get that release. You get that release, and then you you recuperate, and you're ready to do it all over again Saturday night. Kyle, can I hear that one more time? I just I, I just love that. I want to hear it one more time. This is from a mile away. Here we go. What's <laughs> the greatest? It's the greatest noise in the world. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's even different from an Eagles game. Like as as Vince was talking, I was thinking back. I was thinking back to the 2017-18 NFC Championship game and how loud Lincoln Financial Field got that night. Especially, mm-hmm. oh, for instance, when Patrick when Patrick Robinson returned yeah, the interception for yeah. the touchdown. I thought that was when that place was at its loudest. But you didn't have that great expulsion of noise at the end of it because right. the Eagles were destroying the Vikings, <laughs> right? 30 it, points. It was already a party. It was yeah. already, hey, we're going to the Super Bowl. Yep. This was different. This is, 
you light a fuse and then eventually the dynamite explodes. That's great. Great way to put it. All right. So let's just briefly get in today. 215-592-9494. Looking forward to taking your calls today. Uh, game four today, not an ideal situation for the Phillies because they really only have three starters. It is Bailey Falter, who had uh, 16 starts this year, 386 ERA over the course of the season, 86 innings. You said you, you showed me very good strikeout to walk yes. ratio, which Se- is one 70, thing. 74 strikeouts, 17 walks, which how, is good. How many homers in 86 innings? Uh, good question. Let me see if I can find that. Hold on. It's a stat I always look at these days Yeah, because everybody uh, hits home runs. Uh, what do we got here? Home runs allowed. Uh, he allowed 16 home runs uh, in 84 that's innings. Pretty bad. It's <laughs> not good. Yeah. They're, they're, they, All right. Pe- teams tend to hit the ball in the air against them. Yeah. So the plan, according to Thompson, is to have him go once through the lineup. It's kind of what they did with uh, Syndergaard in the last series. Mm-hmm. I thought Syndergaard did a nice job. I kind of was thinking he should start, but you've pointed out Padres got a lot of lefties. In so left-handers this season hit. 229 against Falter okay. with a 671 OPS. Oh, neither, which are, neither of which are good. Yeah. And the Padres had three left-handed hitters in their starting lineup last night. You have Juan Soto, obviously. Yep. You have Jake Cronenworth, the second baseman, and you have Trent Grisham, the center fielder. So y- you got to hope that that helps in some way, yeah. right? That that certainly was what Thompson said in say, in justifying, I'm going to start uh, Falter over three, Syndergaard. Three out of nine is only three out of nine. I, I don't know if they have any switch hitters who can't hit lefties, but... I don't know. I hope he survives three. Um, this is what they're doing, Glenn. They're well, going to they, take it each, each game I, as yeah, its own entity. Uh, so, but here's where the, here's. I don't mean to be the Debbie Downer here because I'm not. I'm very excited. I'm very optimistic. Whatever, Howard. Here, here, no. Here's the part. Here's the part that uh, you got to look ahead and you got to consider. If, 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 if it goes to seven, mm-hmm. and you're up two to one, and you like to think it's not going to go to seven, but if it does, there's no day of rest. No. So you are not, according to Thompson, you're not going to even get a second start at a Ranger. Oh, I think in Game 7, everybody would be. You might pitch Ranger in, in relief if you can. Okay. You know. Okay. I, but it's going to be another bullpen game where everybody's pitching. Again, I'm not being fatalistic, but I'm saying this is where not having a fourth starter is just a little bit of a disappointment because – you don't. You think Syndergaard comes out of the bullpen today? Maybe. It's not something he's done a lot. But here's the thing, Glenn, and I think we, we should make mention of this. The last time the Phillies were in the postseason was 2011, as we all know. That was 11 years ago. Yeah. In that period, the thinking on playoff pitching has changed a lot, where you are not necessarily counting on your starter even your third, especially your yeah. third, fourth, fifth. Well, starter. that's all a baseball, right? It starters is starters go five innings, and they're not seven innings is a complete game now, right? I know you you don't like people to invoke this name, but go back to the 2016 playoffs and watch what Terry Francona did <laughs> with the Cleveland Indian staff. <laughs> the, one of the big you're laughing, and I get no, it. I was just laughing because you busted me. <laughs> that's all right. Um, but one of the big reasons that the Indians almost won the World Series that year, lost to the Cubs in seven games, was that Francona. You know, totally throughout the idea of, well, I'm going to leave my starter in or I'm going to go to, you know, a long reliever in the second or third inning. He had Andrew Miller, mm-hmm. who was lights out at yeah, that time. And he was bringing that guy into the game in the third and fourth inning yeah. to get out of big situations. And that's what you have to do. Uh, and again, 
You go back to 2011 and we all think about Roy Halladay and Cliff Lee and Cole Hamels and Roy Oswald. Yeah. Those it, days are gone. It was the anniversary, I think, yesterday or the day before of Schilling closing out the Braves yes. in uh, 93 and he threw 147 pitches. Yeah. <laughs> That's, <laughs> that ain't happening. Yeah. I get it. I know. I know. I know. I know. I'm fine. I get it. Um, and in fairness to Rob Thompson, he mm-hmm. did say that uh, Jose Alvarado and Zach Eflin will be were fine after last night and would be available today. So take that for what it's worth. Uh, But as Don Henley sang, my friend, those days are gone forever. You should just let them go. Wow, that's poetic. Oh, I didn't write it. It's Don Henley. (laughs) Boys of summer, baby. (laughs) 215-592-9494. Having a great time talking to you all day. By the way, a couple good guests coming up. Tyler Kepner, baseball columnist for the New York Times. And a local product of Montgomery County is going to join us at 11. Larry Boa, the legend, at noon. And you all day. Mike Sielski, Glenn Mack now, 94 WIP. With Mike Sielski, I'm Glenn Mack now, 94 WIP. All right, we are celebrating the Phillies, and that means it's time for, to uh, add that into This Week in Philadelphia Sports History, brought to you by Scheib Vintage Sports, where there's a story in every stitch. Visit their new location at Wayne and Lancaster Avenues in downtown Wayne, or see them at ScheibSports.com. Um, so here you go. Today, my friend, mm-hmm. is the, let me do my math, 14th yep. anniversary of Game 1 of the 2008 World Series. I remember that game. Oh, I remember it well. I was at that game. I was not. I was not. I was writing a book at the time and was not traveling to cover the Phillies. So What I recall initially about that game is what a lousy little stadium it was. Oh, it's it's like uh, it's like the slip and slide of Major League Baseball stadiums. There's just <laughs> really? something so plastic about it. Uh, yeah, and just, yeah, it was terrible. Anyway, but who cares? Because it was game one. It was much like last night where you got that great start in the first inning. Here we go. It's the first inning, one on, one out, Chase Utley at bat. Utley rips one into right field at the track, at the wall. It's a good start for the Phillies. 2-0 here in the first. That'll shake off the rust. Yeah, by the way, for a game in Tampa, there's a lot of noise. There was a lot of noise. A lot of Phillies. There were a lot of Phillies fans down there. I will definitely remember that. Some of whom were people, you know, that's near Clearwater. Uh, yes, yeah, no Philadelphia sure. South. Yeah, and can I just say, I know a lot of people don't like Joe Buck, um, both around the country and in the Philadelphia area. I just think he's terrific. I think he's really good on baseball. Uh, I miss him in this postseason. Uh, games that I'm watching when I'm not at them. Uh, and I think that's a terrific call and, and just wanted to throw that out Still there. Still felt so. that need, did you? What's that? Still felt the need to defend Joe Buck. I like Joe Buck. I think he's really good. I think he's understated. Uh-huh. Um, okay. I, you know, yeah. I, I think when he, he, he does a smart thing in play-by-play, which is when he gets loud, it means something because he's not loud all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. I like that. Okay. Uh, and, of course, we all remember that World Series. The last one they won for this year. Uh, <laughs> and they go into Tropicana Field, and winning game one put him in great shape for that. That mm-hmm. was the year that Cole Hamels was unbelievable. Started game one of the NLDS-NLCS World Series, 3-0 and with a 164 ERA. 
He was in 22 innings. He was incredible in that postseason. I do think people forget how tight that World Series was. The Phillies mm-hmm. won three one-run games, one in their last at-bat when Carlos Ruiz hit that chopper up line. Oh, that, yeah, the 60-foot. Yeah, that Evan Longoria threw into the stands Eric practically. Bruntlett comes in, yeah. Right. Um, but it was a tight series. And, of course, Game 5 took, what, 90 hours three to days, finish? Four yeah. days, yep, absolutely. Um, but so. it was great. And Brad Lidge. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned all those one-run games. He was the guy who saved all those one-run games. It was great. What a great year it was, and maybe we've got a new one. It's it's possible. That's it's our very Shive possible. Vintage Sports moment. Best caller of the day gets a $50 gift card to Shive Vintage Sports. Matt in Conshohocken. What are you thinking, Matt? Yo, yo, what's up, guys? We're good. Good morning, Matthew. Oh, man, I'm riding right now the game with my son, Mickey. Mickey, say what's up. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, How old is yeah, Mickey? we we're raising some Philly fans over here. How old is Nikki? Nikki is eight years old. Love it. Good. Good work. His. Yeah. So this is and this we talked about this Mike and I over the last couple of weeks and Mike's got this with his own kids. Nikki at eight years old. This is exactly when I became a baseball fan. Me too. And the fact that he's got this team to follow with his dad, maybe his mom too. I don't know if he's got siblings, but into you know this great postseason, it's going to make him a fan for life, Matt. No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, my, my grandfather, he came over from Ireland when he was like 17 years old, and he had become a real big Phillies fan. And he passed away when I was, you know, about six, seven years old. Mm-hmm. And when the Phillies made it to the World Series after we beat the Dodgers, I, my buddy went in for the lottery and he got, you know, two tickets for, you know, standing room only tickets. And his dad already had tickets, so he gave them to me. So I got to call my dad and, uh, you know, tell him that we made him, we're going to the Phillies game for the World Series. Oh, uh, that's great. He that's- was broke down crying and it was the best moment of my life that I can remember is just having that experience. We were at game five, you know, the first part, the weather was terrible. It was a couple innings yep. and then I remember uh, it well. They, thankfully they gave us a day to recover because it was a long long stretch run there of celebrating. So yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> went, so did you say that you and your son are going tonight? No, no, we're not going tonight. We're going to his soccer game right now. Okay. Got it. You're going to yeah. that game. All right. We're going to that well, game. I hope he scores but, five goals. Yeah. What do you think, Mick? How many goals are you going to get today? I think probably around two. Two will work. Like three. There you go. Hey, nice to talk to you guys. Great, great, great to talk. I like any athlete who calls his shot. I, I don't care how old he is. And eight-year-old Nicky, man, I, I will be checking the agate in tomorrow's newspaper and ESPN.com during the day to see if you got your two goals in your soccer game, man. Um, I've talked about this before, and you have too. And what is important? You know, I'm at the age where it's like, okay, I see a good team and go through a bad era. I'll, when they get better again, I'll, you know, still be there. Mm-hmm. But when you are young and your team is good and it's kind of your first bonding experience with your team, you remember it forever. Absolutely. For me, it was the Buffalo Bills <laughs> when I was 11 years old, won the AFL. And all these years later, I can tell you everybody in the lineup. I can tell you the mm-hmm. backup right guard. His yeah. name was George Flint. Yeah. It's like yeah. I, I remember all of it because it's the most important thing in the world to you, and it's great. And it's when you're young, everything is magnified. Right? Oh, yeah, because it's it's all new to you at that time. I mean, I felt the same way about the, the two Flyers teams that went to the Stanley Cup Finals in 1985 and 1987. I was... 10 and 12 years old and and we've talked in the past about the summer of 1993 and turning 18 then and spending that entire summer we're like yeah you want to go 
hang out with your friends and walk the boardwalk and meet girls. But it's like, hey, the but the Phillies. I mean, yeah. this is this is what we've been waiting for our whole lives. Yes. You know, and um, you're right. It makes an impression on you that never goes away. And even like, what do you say, Nikki's eight, something yeah. like that. Okay, so when you're that age. It's even more because yes. you're not thinking about the girls on the boardwalk, right? Right, that's true. My biggest, like, you know, when you're older, it's like, oh, they got to deal with the mortgage and they got that stupid <laughs> boss. And it's like, right, your yes. life is life. Yeah. And sports is a nice diversion. When you're a kid, sports is every, all I remember from when I was that years old was watching sports, playing sports, and the fear that Mitchell Fox was going to beat me up on the school bus. <laughs> And that was it. That was like the entire existence. Glenn Ray Romano from Everybody Loves Raymond uh-huh. does an absolutely hilarious comedy stand-up bit about he asks his daughter, I think, what are you thinking about? And she's five or six years old. And the daughter says, candy. And he, he goes, that, that's the greatest thing I've ever heard. Right. I, I, I will never be that happy again. Right. Who has time just to think about candy and just goes into the whole middle-aged man thing that you just referenced? And right. it's hilarious. Right. And so, you know, when your eight-year-old Nikki, mm-hmm. and thank you to our last caller for making him kind of the guy we can use all day, Nikki's going to be our, our guy. Yeah. The Phillies now, I'm sure that Nicky woke up thinking about the Phillies. Yep, maybe, absolutely. Maybe his soccer game, too. Well, yeah. He's, 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 gonna, he's, he's planning out how he's going to score his two goals. Right. So, yeah, let's be honest he already here. called? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can't let us down now, kid. Um, and tonight, we'll see how long his dad lets him stay up to watch. Well, apparently, fall asleep watching. Well, tonight. apparently, Nick has Nikki has tape to watch after the game of his game of what he the game he just played and <laughs> right. the prep for the next There's one. A lot going on, but yeah. um, it's so special for kids. And the other thing that the caller brought up that to me is so important is the way it's generational. Yes, his grandfather comes over from Ireland. What he say at age seventeen, mm-hmm. and becomes a Phillies fan. Yeah, right, and hands it down. To his dad and or his son and then his son and 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 it's like that's the great thing. So my grandmother came over from Ireland um, when she was in her early twenties. Uh, she had met my the my grandfather. Uh, he was a Marine stationed in Ireland uh, during World War II, and they came over. She came over to marry him, and became a big Philadelphia sports fan. Loved the Phillies. Loved Pete Rose. Came to love American football, but. <laughs> One of the funny things about her being a fan, and a, a very quick anecdote, one of her favorite players was the Steelers running back, the great Steelers running back, Franco Harris. Oh, sure. Except that she didn't realize he was half black, half Italian, mm-hmm. that his name was Franco Harris. Oh. She thought his name was Frank <laughs> O'Harris. <laughs> And this became a joke Irish in our family kid. for years. Um, I even mentioned it, God, God rest her soul, I mentioned it in her eulogy a couple of years ago when she passed away. But um, what a, just an awesome, awesome lady, herself a great Philadelphia sports fan and very yeah. similar to the story we just heard. It's, it's great. It's really a huge part of what's going on right now, and it's what really makes it a lot of fun. Let me get John up here. John wants to talk about the manager and some of his decisions. You liking him or not liking him, John? Uh, it's very confusing. Why does he pull Schwarber from left field for a defensive replacement? He pulls Bohm from third base for a defensive replacement. But yet he's got Venus DeMilo at first base. Oh, I thought you were going to say the right fielder. Yeah. Okay. No, well, you can't pull everybody, but... Well, there's your answer. He's already pulled, you know, Schwarber and Bohm. But the guy that's been making the most errors at first base, he's, like, entrenched in there, and nobody can defensively replace him. Who who are you going to put in? Uh, Veerling would be better than, than what he's doing. 
When was the last time Matt Veerling played first base? We'd have to look that up. I think. Well, he played second for the first time this year, and nobody, nobody better than I there. I know. Well, it was a regular old. season game. If he screwed up, he screwed up. Are you going to do that in the playoffs? Well, it just baffles me that they don't have one person on that defensively that can replace him at first. It's like at the late, at the, the last inning. Yeah, least. I think that, but I think that is the answer to your question. Uh, listen, I'll agree with the premise that he is a huge liability at first base. No question about that. The problem is you really don't have somebody to put there. And, wow. and the other problem is you, you have defensive liabilities, really, if you think about it, all over the place. Uh, I get that, but you he's, know. The, he's the most glaring, let's face it. <laughs> He is the most glaring defensive liability on this team. Well, I mean, here's the thing. If, if you're going to make changes to defensive positions late in games, mm-hmm. you're going to shore up those positions where if a mistake is made, it's going to cause you the most damage, right? right so right. you want if a long fly ball is hit out to left field, you want to know that that left fielder is going to catch it, right? I mean, this this was... One of the key questions around Black Friday back in 1977 yeah. was why oh, was Greg Lazinski still in left field? Will live in infamy, won't it? Yeah. yeah, you remember that one, I bet. Oh my God! Yeah, I still hate that day. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, John. Thanks, John. So Matt Vierling played uh, two games at first base this year, two innings. My thought is it probably was a late game switch where they just kind of got by. He had exactly one play which he executed well, so he's got a feeling percentage of a thousand. Yeah. Again, that's not a. I would say that's not a big enough sample size to take the chance of putting him in at first base for Reese Hoskins. Do you believe next year they bring back Hoskins at first, Bohm at third? That's a really good question. That's a really good question. And we're asking at a time when this team is going toward a World Series. Yeah. So it's like we're going to love everybody. But right, exactly. Take a, take a moment out of that. Put on your Joe Banner costume. Well, it's interesting you're saying the, Banner. Right, take out the... the over loyalties. Yeah, here, here's the thing about it, though. I think I think we've talked about this before on the show. The question is, what's your next move? Because if you have to trade Reese Hoskins to get Trey Turner, for instance, then you have to think about it because Turner is that good. And you take Bohm and you move him to first base and you, you figure out, you reconfigure the left side or yeah. right side of the infield, maybe. So here's my problem with that. Bohm doesn't hit well enough to be a first baseman. I don't think Bohm really hits well enough to be a third baseman because mm. I, you need, in this you day and age, pop. you need some power. What did he hit this year? 13 home runs? 14 yeah, about home the, uh, runs? he hit 13. Yeah. yeah. OPS mean, of 713, which yeah, isn't great. No, it's subpar, particularly. Yeah. What, what's his, let's get real stat geeky here. What's his <laughs> OPS plus? OPS plus is 100. Okay, <laughs> which is exactly average. Yes. Yeah. I need better than that and a starting third baseman on a team. Well, listen, he's he, been doing great. I love him. Win us a World Series. I'll carry you around on my shoulders. Mm-hmm. But I can't play that guy at first base unless I get more offense. You can't play that version of Alec Bohm if you think, because he's only 25, that there's more that can be tapped into there than mm-hmm. maybe you factor that into your calculation. Okay. And maybe they maybe they believe that. Right. And right. Long, the hitting coach, has done a really nice job with a lot of people this year. Maybe that's next year's project. But... The idea of putting him on first base, you just need more offense there. Unless you know, listen, if you get great offense, second, short, third, I can live with it. But right. yeah, I mean, then that's the project because Stott's not going to be 
Stott, I think, has room to develop, but I don't think Stott's going to be a super offensive player. No, but Stott can be better than 234 yeah, and yeah, yeah. You know, 653 OPS. Yeah, I think Stott can be what Boehm is this year. Right, and and you also probably factor, in your, factor into your thinking, Nick Castellanos is going to be better next year yeah. than he was this season. Agreed. And, um, you take those sorts of things into consideration when you're when you're thinking about changing a team that might very well win a World Series, Glenn. Already you want to break up the 2022 Phillies. I'm... Just raising a point. Let's sneak at Jack in Santa Barbara real quick before the break. What's up, Jack? Hey, hey Mike. How do you like this stuff, huh? It, not bad, uh, Jack. Well, you know, I had to live through 64, Mike. So who who won in 64? The Cardinals, right? Yes. And, we, and when we bumped them off, my sins of 64 were over. Wow. So... Wow, you do carry a grudge, man. Fifty-eight uh, years. Y- your sins. W- w- were you part of the ten-game losing streak, Jack? Were you the yeah. one who let Chico Ruiz steal home? Yeah, my tears. <laughs> <laughs> my tears. <laughs> oh man, you really you harbor it, man. You harbor it. I love it. Well, hey, I'm Philly. You know, you don't let get to let go if you're Philly. <laughs> <laughs> good point. That's a very good point. That yeah. is the one. And Jack, I hate to do this to you, but I got to run because we were hitting the break. But that is the one where people of a certain age, Jack, Ray Didinger, my father, your dad. I remember Mayor Rendell used to talk mm-hmm. about this. That gave the that generation the scar. That they carried for so long that some of them, and Jack isn't one, and certainly Ray isn't one, I don't know about your dad, but just remain the uh, the lifelong pessimist of, hey, they're going to blow it. Well, because they had previously been to the World Series in 1950, 14 years earlier. Right. They didn't get back to the playoffs for another 12 years, 1976, didn't get back to the World Series for another 16 years. Yeah, that's long. That was the year. It's a long it was dry spell for to, anybody. Yeah. yeah. That's that, a 30-year dry spell. Yeah. Man, I, I understand why it stays with people of a certain age. 215-592-9494. Coming up, we go national with New York Times baseball columnist, local guy though, Tyler Kepner, really sharp guy. We're going to talk to him. Don't forget, Larry Boa at noon with Mike Sealski, Glenn Macnow on 94 WIP. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.